0: Drop off the text to the party.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 70 of the PDH pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to. First up, Dave the Alcadron Vader. How was your week? It was good, but tiring. My in-laws were <laughs> in town. sounded like there was a question mark at the end of that. It was
2: good? <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was very fun. It was very entertaining, but it was also very draining. Like, I am... I feel like I'm behind at school. I feel like there's six things I need to do and every day I only have time for three of them. And by the end uh, of that day there's three more things I have to do, so I'm just like constantly like triaging these tasks and like waiting for like an opportunity where I'm free enough to like get like make meaningful headway instead of just sort of like staunch the bleeding. Uh and so like I right. like work's got me kind of dragging a little bit and uh My weekend was not relaxing. My in laws were in town, which was fun. Oh, no. Like, I enjoyed hanging out with them. We had a really good time together. I was sort of. Sure, but it's
1: always like just that that is an exhausting event when people are over for the whole weekend, especially family.
2: I was constantly like on and you know like playing hosts and you know making sure that they had everything they needed and they were comfortable and then also like being a tour guide it was their first time in boston on the east coast like making sure that they had a good time they were seeing interesting things so like it was it was good
1: i enjoyed it but i'm tired (laughs) (laughs) well i think tonight you can relax and talk about some popper yes Alright, uh, next up is our resident PDH PhD, Liam, who just learned how to draft commander sets.
0: How's it going? Look, okay, for those who don't listen to the pre-show, my playgroup apparently has a house rule. And by my playgroup, I mean my my one lgs where you're allowed to splash colors in commander draft. I thought this was a legitimate thing. Yeah. Apparently we're, it's we're not. we just hanging out of
2: the... Hanging out in the pre-show, and Liam started telling us about the time he drafted Commander, and he was like, "My plan was to go red, green, and splash blue," and
1: I was like, and splash blue." Hold up, <laughs> like what kind of look? What, hold up, the
2: first
0: time. Of you The doing? first time I did a a commander ma- a, a commander draft, I was barely a judge, and. The store employee had said, yeah, it's draft. Of course you can splash. And in my head, I'm like, if I can have multiples of cards in my commander deck, of course I can splash in my commander deck. And I just never thought to look it up. Don't at me. (laughs) I'm doing great this week. How are you doing, Brad? (laughs) <laughs> Amazing.
1: Oh, I am doing super well. About to be a little bit better because we do have a guest in the show, in the uh, episode with us this week. Dave and Liam, help me welcome to the show. First time guest, actually. A uh, fellow Midwesterner here and uh, Dave's fellow member of the PDH Rules Committee, Ruffigan. How's it going? Welcome to the show.
3: Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, happy to be here.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's been a a long time coming. I'm glad we finally got you on. All right. Uh, As usual, before we move into the main topic, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, If you like what we're doing and you like the show, uh, please consider supporting us over on Patreon at patreoncom slash pod. Uh, By being a patron, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually uh, sort of a mini-episode every week, sometimes a full-length episode every week, just kind of casual talk, catching up for the week, uh, laughing at each other, that sort of thing. You also get early access to the episode and the show notes before they go live on Fridays, and then, uh, well, the episode goes live. I don't actually put the show notes out there, but you get access to both as as being a patron. Uh, finally, you get access to the PDH pod Discord server, where you can chat with the crew. Ruffigans on there. You can get help with your decks, uh, all that kind of good stuff. And then, lastly, check out the YouTube channel and the Twitch channel. We are the PDH pod on both of those as well. And the latter is where I uh, stream Spell Table Paper Pdh every Saturday around 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. So, uh, I think that's all cleaned up. Liam, you got anything for this week in Magic?
0: Yeah, this this week was a little busy. <laughs> The Judge Academy and Watsy partnerships uh, sunset on Friday, October 13th, uh, which was just in time for the Who release. Mm-hmm. I apologize. I've just been logged out of Google. Okay. Uh, the Eldraine Alchemy was fully spoiled at some point this weekend. I'm not entirely sure when. On October 16th, this past Monday, which was two days ago for us right now in the recording studio and four days ago for you all listening on the day this releases, yep. there was... It was it was very intriguing. Uh, lots of lots of guesses on what was going to get banned and what formats. Turns out the uh, the TLDR is that there's no changes.
1: Yeah, apparently all formats are in, nice and healthy.
0: Yeah, uh, according to Watsy. <laughs> and and in that same banned and restricted announcement where they said uh, TLDR and no changes, they took that as a prime opportunity to advertise a, a new change coming to Magic. Yeah, very big uh, and, change. And th- a, f- a fairly big change. And the TLDR on that one is that draft boosters are now banned and limited. That was the banned uh, announcement
1: they were actually wanting to get yeah. out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, all, all constructed formats are healthy. Uh, turns out draft boosters are a little OP when it comes to limited. <laughs> uh, so they're going to, beginning with the first premiere set of 2024, uh, which is Murders at. M- Markov? Karlov. Karlov. Karlov, yep. <laughs> those two names are too close for being on two different planes. Yeah, right. Motos at Karlov Manor will have a new type of booster in Project Booster Fund. It'll have the play boosters. So uh, for those who get their heads caught spinning between all uh, the collector, the draft, the set, the theme, the jumpstart boosters, they're simplifying it a little bit. They're getting rid of draft and set boosters and merging them into play boosters so it's supposed it's supposed to kind of be like this harmonious merging it's supposed to have the best parts of both time will tell I think honestly the way that they announced it was was incredibly crappy uh, Kinda, yeah. I think that I think that announcing it as like a footnote of what was supposed to be a very impactful BNR announcement was probably not the best way to go about it because people were already pissed that the BNR announcement had nothing in it, it. Nothing.
1: yeah so they're already seething and
0: <laughs> and now you're just gonna tell them like hey we're gonna change how boosters work and we're gonna increase the price which is a whole nother thing mm-hmm. that yeah. i'm not gonna get into here uh if you want my thoughts on that you can go into the discord yep. uh where i have actually not put my thoughts yet but if you ask me i will happily <laughs> tell you and yeah and then and then the next day I actually, I don't even know if it was the next. I think this was all on the same day. Uh, they announced a new Secret Layer drop. Oh Lord! Uh, this is this is an exclusive to LGS Secret Layer drop. It's all about Hydras. It's in this awful, awful art style they keep doing. Um, they really like do. pop,
1: have Just they love like this psychedelic art. art.
0: I yeah, like psychedelic pop art. I don't. I don't even know what to call this. Uh, like, it's my biggest gripe with it is they all look the same. <laughs> And they're so hard to read.
1: Super hard to read. Yeah, for sure. Like,
0: people are playing these in constructed tournaments, which they're legally allowed to. They're legal magic cards. But I'm just, like, as a judge, like, I have to sit there and, like, you know, in some venues, thank God I have cell service. Like, they just tell me the name of the card and I look it up. Like, that, I can read a normal magic card. Right. But, like, if I don't have cell service, I have to try and, like, decipher these hieroglyphics. Because the text is part of the actual physical artwork. Yes. And so it's just, it's so bad.
1: Yep. And
0: and I get that art is subjective. And if you really <laughs> like them, good for you. But, like, please, Watsy, you have so many other things that you do with secret layers that are so good. I would rather you just did that.
1: I wonder if they for- feel like those posters that are, like, fuzzy and glow in the dark. You know what I'm talking about? They're, like... I- <sighs> They have a yeah, texture like, to them. That would be awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's what they look like. They look like a, a poster from the mall. like
3: Yeah. Like, like the black light posters from Spencer's. You know, for... Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 100%. Like, like,
0: for example, something that is perfect that I think makes a fantastic secret layer every single time is usually the guest, the, 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 the special guests, mm-hmm. the guest series, whatever, where they bring someone who, who doesn't. Regularly do magic art and they do it in like a magic-esque style that isn't movie posters. Right. <laughs> or what always, always works is the artist series where you have an a, a, a classical magic artist who gets to pick four to six magic cards and tell a story with those four to six magic cards and create original artwork in a regular magic frame. What? Shocking. Stop it. I'm aware. <laughs> Turns out, you can make really nice things in a really simple, easy way. Huh. The more you know. But I don't make the rules. <laughs> uh Yeah. And the last thing is, there was apparently a- another return of not alc. I I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I don't. I don't know. That's that saga is getting. It's not hard really magic.
0: That's like it's like Pdh. Yeah. This
1: week in the Pdh pod. This week in Pdh. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's getting really hard to keep up. Uh, not Alk, If you're not listening, you should like not switch again that was trash yes let's not do that <laughs> all
1: right all right any
0: other this week in magic
1: uh i think i think you covered it you got anything dave uh
0: got anything no. to
1: add to the twim no
2: i don't i don't know what's going on in magic at any given time i i just found out right now <laughs> that there's going to be a space opera set to from now which apparently yes. <laughs> had been known for months and i just didn't know about it about two months yeah two yeah, months, couple months yeah <laughs> no you've been I'm... busy
1: it's it's fine
2: We're, when something happens yeah, come, in magic come on dave i i learn about it because Liam tells me about it on the podcast, I don't. And see, that's
1: I don't. That's, that's where the uh, being a patron really pays off because our pre shows are so educational. Like I asked you yeah. guys for deck help. Liam learned how to draft, and yeah. Alcadron learned about sets coming out. Like, yeah, exactly. look, look,
0: Alc, you didn't, you didn't know about the space opera set, but you knew how to correctly draft commander sets. Come, Turn, come on, on now.
2: turns out I have done more drafting commander sets than I have
1: researched into what's coming. <laughs> Oh, weird. Uh, Yeah. Oh, all right. All right. Good stuff. Let's move on to the main topic here. But first up, uh, sort of a pre-main topic, as we do with all of our guests. Ruffigan, do you want to give the listeners sort of a bit of your history with Magic the Gathering? Like, you know, how you sort of got into the game to begin with? Do you play any other formats? And and why do you love Pauper? What, What brings you to the Pauper Commander side of things? And then... Did Dave sort of like rope you into being a rules committee member? I mean, you can be honest. It's fine. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, so so I started playing uh, with like Pokemon and Yu Gi Oh! Uh, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stopped playing card games for a while. Uh, when, when I was in college, my friends uh, started getting into Magic the Gathering. That was around when uh, Return to Ravnica came out. Uh, so, so I kind of bought some cards off of Craigslist then uh, to, to kind of get into it. Uh, we, we started playing uh like 60 card multiplayer um, and then that moved into commander and commander was pretty expensive i could only afford to get like one deck uh, so i suggested that we try playing commander with just common cards mm-hmm. and they, they they were really janky and long games so we, we kind of messed around with how to make it work for a while and then we ended up looking it up online and finding out that like Popper Commander was already... <laughs>
1: it already like, existed. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, the the rules weren't really like set in stone or yeah. anything yet. Uh, the, pretty much all the information on it was pretty outdated. So I ended up, I, I made a primer that was untapped out and it, it ended up being like the, the biggest Popper EDH resource for a couple years uh, that was what got me into the PDH home base. The original admin, Salty River, uh, invited me on to be a writer. At the time, it was just, uh, Salty and myself, uh, and this, this guy named Derek. Uh, you might have heard of that guy. Uh, um, yeah, once or twice. <laughs> from there, I, I became a moderator on the PDH subreddit. I helped onboard some people to the home base and the subreddit. Uh, mm-hmm. like I brought, uh, Pod Kamorka and Scarecrow onto the team. Uh, I brought Alcadron onto the the subreddit. It's true.
1: Our very own Alcadron. Look at that.
3: Yeah. Um and from there uh, the PDH home base kind of moved away from writing articles to more answering like questions that people were having as the format got more popular. And then that kind of evolved into kind of a superficial rules committee that kind of got ironed out a couple couple years ago into the main group that we have mm-hmm.
2: now. So uh yeah, I didn't I didn't drag him onto the rules committee. <laughs> he, he, he dragged me into things.
1: He is nice. He is much more foundational to this format than I was. Nice. So you kind of started out playing multiplayer formats with Magic then, huh?
3: Yes. I played, like, Arena a little bit. That's really my only experience playing, like, 1v1 Magic. Mm-hmm. And then,
1: so was it, like, I know you mentioned, like, the... Um, the, the the price of entry barrier and EDh but is that like what what specifically drove you to play uh, popper commander was it like like you said it, it mainly started out as sort of that barrier to entry and then you just sort of fell in love with it or how did that like you've pretty much stuck with it ever since
3: kind of like the the main group of cards I bought uh, were pretty much all commons, uh, so that's kind of what I was without okay. building with and then I kind of heard about there being a 60 card like popper format and that, mm-hmm. that was kind of a thing to just play with commons yep uh and and i i kind of just like the way it played uh more than commander as well just like kind of kind of slower and a little grindier, less, less explosive yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah things have changed a little bit since then but not a ton we still still have some grindy grindy decks grindy cards out there all right well thank you for that little uh snippet of your mtg life but uh we'll go ahead and move on to the main topic here if you're an old popper player, like well, I guess like Ruffigan is, like I am, like Dave is, you'll probably remember what a mess it was to play in person, 60-card popper specifically. What a mess it was to play in person a few years ago, and why is that? Well, mainly because Magic Online had a bunch of cards at common rarity on their platform that were never printed at common in paper. So if you wanted to play in a paper event, you had to you had to like actually ask the LGS owner or the tournament organizer which rules or which legalities they were using were they gonna because the paper popper had a different set of cards or legalities than the online mtgo specifically did i think it was card kingdom with their original rags to riches event that really championed the use of the mtgo uh, ban list if you will their version of popper. and because it offered so many more cards like I think it was late spring of 2019, MTGO and Paper Popper were finally unified. I think this added something like 400 cards to the paper side of the format, which is huge, huge boon to the format just just right there. And it was certainly one of the biggest things that happened in the format for like ever, literally. And uh, basically with all this being said, you may not know that in 2014, Wizards released a uh, master set. Which is all master sets are reprint set, and this was no different. The only difference was that it was uh, specifically for in M- Magic Online. I mean, it was an M- MTGO only product. Uh, the set was Vintage Masters. It was initially created to help the Vintage format, um, but sort of as a consolation prize, all of us pauper players ended up getting some really sweet, kind of format-defining downshifts. Uh, so today we're gonna go kind of do like a little almost like a historical set review where we talk about VMA or Vintage Masters and sort of what its lasting impact on both Popper Commander and 60-card Popper have been because it was really super uh, important time in the format and very much a boon to the format, if you will. So uh, we're going to start out with the commons, and I think there was a couple dozen here that we're going to touch on, maybe go into depth on a couple of them, but um, we're going to start in Wooburg order. And it looks like uh, I'm up first here with white, so uh, why don't I just jump right into it. Uh, Dave or Liam, do you have anything you want to add before we get into the cards? No, that's a really good summary, I think. Cool. Really, I just I, I wanted to take a breather.
0: <laughs> so. I, I don't think I have anything that is like important to add, but I am doing my best to fill time so that you can, you can catch a breath.
1: I appreciate that. Look at that. Professional podcasters helping each other out.
0: There you go.
1: All right. First up, we have uh, an instant. We have Afterlife for two and a white. probably know what Afterlife is. You destroy a target creature, its controller, gets a 1-1 one, one f- uh, Flying Spirit token. And this was an uncommon. It's always only ever been an uncommon except for Vintage Masters, and it was a, uh, a common. Uh, Mr. Ruffigan, what
3: do you think about Afterlife?
1: You've, you've, have you played with many of this card?
3: Uh, I have. Uh, it used to be... I would say like premium white removal spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think it's a little outclassed now. I mean, still definitely playable. Um, but yeah, it's really the only one that uh, didn't have any like stipulations uh, when you were trying to destroy a creature, like it had to be tapped or, or whatever,
1: or a certain toughness or what have you. Yeah. 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 Huge. Uh, what about you, Dave? You like you like Afterlife? I love Afterlife. Like like Refigan said, it was a for a long
2: time. It was a staple. If I was building a white deck, I would get to the part where I needed to put in removal, and I would start with Afterlife and Crib Swap. Those were the two quintessential white removal spells that went into every single one of my decks. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. These days we have enough variety and selection that it doesn't—it's not as ubiquitous. Like there, there are some decks that really don't want my opponents to have flying tokens. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. So I've I've cut it from those. It's uh yeah it it saw
1: a lot of play for a long time what do you think Liam are you a big white removals fan
0: uh, I mean I think white removal could always use a little bit of help uh afterlife I'm not sure that's the, the help that it needed <laughs> I feel like it could do better yeah I think uh, La- laughs in a 2023 generous game
1: yeah exactly like Ruffigan said it's definitely been outclassed but yeah for a while this was just um, kind of a banger All right, uh, let's move on down the line here alphabetically. Next up we got, oh, we got a big one. We got Battlescreech. Everybody knows what Battlescreech does. It's so good. What does Battlescreech do? Battlescreech is four mana, two and two white. Uh, For a sorcery, you get two 1-1 white bird creature tokens, and then uh, you can flashback this spell by tapping three untapped white creatures you control. So uh, you get a total of four flying 1-1 white bird token creatures for pretty much uh four mana so this card alone has created archetypes it has created decks just just on its own shoulders um what do you think of it rough
3: you find yourself playing a lot of battle screech yeah pretty much any white token deck i have runs battle screech yeah absolutely. Uh, i mean it's really hard to like beat that amount i mean you have like triplicate spirits uh like rousing of souls that can kind of make a similar amount of tokens but mm-hmm. I mean, that's really, like, the primo is Battle
1: Screech. It it really is. Granted, it. I mean, I, I don't think I would expect it to be an instant, you know, at sorcery speed, but that flashback is really, I think, what sets it apart from just about every other token creation we have at White. What do you think, Dave? I think Battle Screech is nuts. Uh, it certainly is.
2: Yeah. It's, like, it flashes back. <laughs> like, it flashes back without costing mana. It flashes back... For the cost of tapping the things you just created with it's it's so gross at common,
1: yeah, and that's the thing a lot of people look past, and I didn't really realize it at first when I first got into popper is like you make these tokens and then, oh, I'm just gonna cast this spell again using those using some of the tokens I just made like, it's just like, it's so silly, so silly if, if there's another card whose flashback cost is tap three untapped
2: white creatures you control. Something like Gaze of Justice. I think it's a I think it's a callback to the old Fallen Empires card, Hand of Justice. From Time Spiral. No one plays that card because it's terrible. (laughs) Because tapping three white creatures you control is wildly expensive. Unless you just created two of them. Yeah. And they have summoning sickness and you're not going to do anything with them this turn anyway. Right. Like just tapping two tapping three creatures to make two creatures is berserk.
1: What about you, Liam? Do you find yourself playing a lot of the Battle Screech?
0: I play Battle Screech in a few decks. I I am more of a go tall aggressive person than a go wide aggressive person. Sure, that's fair. However, that being said, I do have a Falconer Adept deck that is in love with this. Mm, there you because go. Because this card shoots that deck forward by four turns.
1: Yeah, that's a really good way to if, look at it. Like,
0: if I mean the, the the whole point of Falconer Adept is to get it out turn three and start pumping birds out turn four. Battle Screech is one card that makes four birds that are identical to the birds that Falconer Deck makes. So, like, it, it, it is basically launching the deck ahead four tons when it gets played. Right, exactly. It is exactly. one of the all-stars in that deck. Yep. And Without even a question. Yeah,
1: for sure. You know, and not for nothing, Battle Screech, you know, four copies of Battle Screech and four copies of Rally of the Peasants, and you got an entire kick-ass Oof. 60-card pauper deck. Yeah, so all right uh i think we can dote on that card later but next up we got gilded light uh for one in a white it's an instant if you don't know this one i wouldn't be surprised because i wasn't totally sure uh you gain shroud until the end of turn basically you cannot be the target of spells or abilities and it cycles for two uh this one's probably a little lower on
3: the list of the ones we've
1: talked about so far but what do you think Ruffigan?
3: uh personally i've i've never played with this card same uh-huh. here same here <laughs> <laughs> not not terrible. You can cycle it away. I, uh, yeah, I guess. But, but yeah, its uses are pretty limited.
1: Yeah, for sure. What do you think, Dave? Pretty, uh, you, are, you, are you in or out on Gilded Light? I've never played with Gilded Light. <laughs> I don't know anyone <laughs> who does. All right, it's 0 for 2. What do you got, Liam? Are you going to save Gilded Light, or is it uh, just a, a not juicer?
0: I have played Gilded Light in exactly one deck before. Mm-hmm. It was the Gavi cycling deck that came out with Korea uh oh. i'm gonna give gilded light a two thumbs up just because it has cycling and cycling is like one of the best mechanics there we go it's, it's i'd say it's right there behind like mutate yeah
1: i enjoy good cycling i just never really maybe i just glaze past this card constantly but yeah i've never played it i've never cycled it but i can see that in a in a dedicated cycling deck sure go for it
2: i i have a number of decks that this card would just absolutely ruin but I've never thought to put it into a new deck. I feel like if like, like if someone's gonna noise marine me for thirteen, <laughs> I don't want to take that away from them. I feel sure. I feel honor bound to just let them have that. Like playing a card, just yeah, your cards, accept your fate.
0: You you earned that, right? Like if I if I
2: noise marine someone for thirteen and they gilded light in response, like I just I I just lost a friend that
1: day. Like I don't. I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. (laughs) 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 Yeah, especially with Gilded Light. Like, it's not a prismatic strand. It's not something actually good. They're like, what is this card you just beat me with? Get out of here. Yeah. Uh, All right. Next up, uh, we got two white cards left. This one is one of two or three cards at Common ever printed that actually cares about the order of your graveyard <laughs> this is a uh, mist moon griffin it's a 2-2 flyer for four mana uh, with flying obviously uh, when mist moon griffin dies exile mist moon griffin then return the top creature card of your graveyard to the battlefield rough again have you ever cared about the order of, of your graveyard
3: not once
1: <laughs> so what do you think do you like the griffin or are you just sort of out like it's okay right like it'll reanimate when it dies or something
3: yeah, I mean I would rather just run like Breath of Life or late dinner or, or sure. something.
1: Yep, same mana cost for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what do you think, Dave? You like the Griffin or nah?
2: I've never played I don't I don't dislike it. I like the reanimation thing. I especially like that this isn't uh conditional if like it's not when Moon Miss, when Miss Moon Griffin dies exile it when you do return something else to the battlefield. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. It's you exile it and then you return the top creature to your battle. So you can put that on the stack and then do something else with the Mist Moon Griffin. Yeah. Like if you can find an instant speed way to put the Mist Moon Griffin back in your hand, you can you can put that on the stack above this and then it won't get exiled because it's not there, and then you still get the creature card returned. Which is uh
1: it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's an interesting effect for sure. Yeah. What do you think, Liam? Is this two two flyer that sort of reanimates? Is it good enough for you
0: I, s- I swear, one ever judge ruling on graveyard matters cards was enough. <laughs> don't don't do this to me.
1: Well, the other one we got is um, also came in an MTGO only Masters set is Death Spark. Can anybody tell me what Death Spark does? Yeah, it's a one red mana instant for like... one damage
2: to any target, and then. During your upkeep, if the top card of your graveyard
1: is a creature, you can pay one mana, return it to your hand? You're 99% correct. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Deathspark is in your graveyard with a creature card directly creature above, above it, it. <laughs> you can pay one and return it to your hand. Uh, return so Deathspark to your hand. Yeah. And it's got ugly That'll... Mark Tedden
2: art of a bunch of like skinless faces with a bolt going through them
1: back to front. Yeah. Yes, you are hundred percent correct on yeah. that,
0: yeah yeah no don't, uh, <laughs> uh, don't don't do graveyard matters cards guys yep yeah it's I, it's awkward don't be that person because it's even even though a lot of the cards only care about your graveyard, there are the couple that care about someone else's graveyard sure so what? What ends up happening is if you run one of these cards even if it only affects you everybody has to keep graveyard order.
1: Yep, cuz you yeah. Don't uh-huh.
0: don't do that to your table. Don't do that to them. Yeah.
1: Dave's trying not to lose friends over here with Gilded Light. Just don't lose friends with Graveyard Order. That's all we ask. Please don't. You can <laughs> You can have my shallow
2: graves when you pry them out of my cold dead hands. <laughs>
0: No, please don't. That's all I ask.
1: All right, as Liam pleads and pleads, let's move on to the last white card here. It's a Sultari Emissary. It's a two-mana, two-one Sultari Soldier, and it has an ability for a single white Sultari Emissary gains shadow until the end of turn. Uh, Ruffigan, do you like a shadow creature that you have to pay for?
3: Uh, I mean, it's okay. I mean, I'm sure that, like, If you don't have a better creature, you could put it in, like, Phalanx Leader, or, you know, something that wants, uh, like, go tall and be unblockable. But, I mean, there's better shadow creatures you could run.
1: Yeah. And we don't really super have, like, a Soldier Matters deck, do we? I mean, we have that uncommon from uh, Dominaria or whatever, Brothers War, but... Uh, Daru Warchief is a pretty gross Soldier's deck. Oh, my God. I always forget about that one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You look at you look at this
2: emissary and you think that it's a two mana two one. It's not. It's a one mana three
1: three. It's a one mana three three that can be unblocked, unblockable. Some, sometimes it's unblockable. Yeah, I completely forgot about War Chief. Okay, I'm a little higher on the uh, Sultari then. Not not super, but yeah. enough that I won't forget it now. All right. Well, that uh, wraps up the Vintage Masters in white at Common. Uh who's up next with with a couple blue cards? Oh, that's Dave. What do you got first? I us? I get the blue and I'm really excited about
2: the blue. Uh, because my favorite mechanic of all time is on the first blue card. I'm yep. gonna tell you about Circular Logic, which is a three mana conditional counter spell. Counter target spell unless it's controller it pays one for each card in your graveyard. Which is not good. That's just yeah, usually be better. much better than mana leak. They're much worse right. than mana leak. Yeah. Just more expensive. Yep. This card would be really good if it cost one mana.
1: It that would be really good if it cost only one mana.
2: Ah, uh, good news! It has madness for a single blue mana. What? <laughs> Rough again. Tell me what you think of circular logic. Tell me, tell me, tell me what your favorite card in Vintage Masters is and why it's circular logic. <laughs>
3: Well, I do. I run this card in my Lazatap Chancellor deck. Oh, uh, see, so, there you so, go. So I, I am a fan. Yeah, there
1: you go. Now, I, I, I. will be honest. I rarely play with circular logic. I don't. I don't fully understand the interaction between discarding it and wanting to counter a spell at the same time. I, I need like a contact, like a situation, uh, like what are you discarding this to? Wild. to counter a spell on the stack. You know what I'm saying? Wild mongrel. So anything like that, basically. You're just waiting for a spell to be on the stack, and you're like, bam, change the color, and counter your spell. Right. Okay. Um. That's fair. I, I definitely I, want to I hear... I guess I just don't play... Like, like, I've played mad, could, Madness could before, and be I, used any, to, like, I used to brew Madness in 60-card pauper. I guess I just never touched blue for some reason.
0: Could be any rumager as well. Sure. Yeah.
1: A sure. uh, Lots
2: of times, uh, you... Madness is a powerful ability because it dodges the discard for you so if Mm -hmm. you have a deck that's full of like rummaging or things like you know faithful saluting thrill possibility if you have a deck with lots of these draw and discard effects the the really powerful thing about madness isn't the the madness cost it's just that you are you are getting the benefit of those effects by drawing cards without getting the drawback of those effects by discarding cards because you're instead of discarding cards you're casting spells 90% Right. That's ninety percent of the time. That's why madness is nuts. Uh, in the case of circular logic, it's nuts because if you have a, if you have an instant speed discard outlet available to you, it's a one mana counterspell. Yeah, that's pretty uh, tight. Yeah, we we don't have yeah. a lot of those. No, no, we certainly do not. Nope. How does Ruffigan feel about the madness on uh, circular logic?
3: Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, like you said, any of the, the rummaging or the looter guys that you're probably holding up anyways in case you need to block with them or something, uh, just let you counter something if you need to.
2: Sorry, what what was the other thing you said in case you need to what?
3: Uh, block. I don't understand. <laughs> <Block>. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what are
1: these words? I, uh, does, do you play Magic differently I need you to than repeat I that again. I, I, <laughs> I,
0: I've never heard of that.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the show, Ruffigan. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Circular Logic. Good for one mana. It's even better. This is one of the cards that I distinct. Like,
2: 2014 was a long time ago. Like, I do not. To me, it feels like these cards have sort of just low key always been part of PDH. Uh, Uh That's fair. Like, I wasn't playing PDH for long before this happened. Circular Logic is. I think one of the cards that I distinctly remember being excited about the downshift of it because I had a Grixis Battlemage deck at the time, and I like we got it got a new Madness card, which I didn't think was going to happen because that around this time is when uh, I started. I don't know if this is like when the Storm Scale became popularized, or mm-hmm. if it's when I found out about the Storm Scale, but like I I. I had a Grixis Battle deck and I loved the way it played, but I was constantly complaining that Madness was a nine on the storm scale and we were just never gonna get new madness cards. <laughs> I was like, Okay, like it's got these twenty madness cards in it and that's it. That's all it'll ever have. Yeah. And then they downshifted circular logic in this in this like online set and I was like, Oh, we got twenty one like Yep, there it I, is. I, I,
1: I lost it. <laughs> Yeah, and that's one of those weird ones. Like, I'm sure we'll come across a few of them today that it's never had a paper common printing. Mm-hmm. It's uncommon everywhere else except for this one MTGO product where it actually gave it to us. So, that was one thing that I really had to like wrap my head around when I first got into the popper format is like, how is Battle Screech legal? Like, my LGS has a hundred of them, but they're all uncommon. Like, what's going on here? So, it just took a little while to get used to. But yeah, it's, it's, um, there's a handful of them like that uh, that have never seen uh, a common printing, but thankfully we uh, they're legal in our format. Mm-hmm. We got those quote-unquote printings.
2: Exactly. Let's talk about the only other blue card in this set.
1: <laughs>
2: okay. Killer Whale is a 5-mana mm-hmm. 3-5 with one ability. For mm-hmm. a single blue mana, it can gain flying until end of turn. Very flavorful. What do we think about a killer whale?
3: <laughs> I mean, I love whales. Uh, I have never played with this card though. Ditto. Actually, n- never seen this card until I looked deeper into the set. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with Ruffkin. I like whales. Uh, I've never played with this card. I probably don't plan on it. But uh, what do you think, Liam? Are you gonna? Killer whale-typal deck of some sort?
0: You know, I've thought really long and hard about this, and I think the answer is pretty easy no. No, (laughs) Pretty easy no. No, bro. Not
2: good. I
0: want to get Liam's
2: thoughts on the artwork.
0: I think the artwork's pretty trash, honestly. Uh, I see a killer whale attempting to eat a thopter. Yeah, that is going down. Yep. This is just Harris. <laughs> <laughs> also, also that's that's not an Ornithopter. that is part of a thopter squadron. Oh, Please sorry. Get your so... thopters, right?
2: Uh, oh. No, I won't.
0: <laughs> um yeah, well. I w- see how it is. I want to say that in
2: 1998 uh this card put in uh, so, I mean in in the year of our lord 2023 uh we look at this card and we go, "Huh? W- why?" Uh, which is completely fair. Twenty-five years ago, I want to say that this card was a lot better than than it is now. It still wasn't great, but it had merits, and those merits included that uh a lot of the board wipes we had, like white white had real board wipes like destroy all creatures. Yeah. Uh, the only other board wipes we had were like pestilence, and this guy's really hard to kill with pestilence, and yeah, things super hard. things like die first. earthquake and hurricane which dealt x damage to flying creatures and x damage to non-flying creatures red had a bunch of earthquakes and green had a bunch of hurricanes yeah and uh having a creature that could dodge both of those things by turning its flying on and off wasn't irrelevant
1: yeah and you know i know it's been said a million times but back in the day three damage in the air was a lot yeah like that was a significant clock
2: or having like a five-foot blocker in the air
1: like yeah. this thing just shuts down <laughs> a sarah angel
2: right that's not hilarious not nothing no that is not nothing it it shuts down a sarah angel and it w- when someone else plays a hurricane to kill the sarah angel it
1: survives yeah i mean it lives where hurricanes are born yeah so we didn't it ain't gonna die yeah so, all uh, right. it did some things sometimes. Yeah. That's all I got for the blue. All right. Well, thank you for the rundown of the pair of blue downshifts we got. Let's move on to black. First one, uh, we could probably go through this one really quick is addle. It's a two mana sorcery. You choose a color target player reveals his or her hand and you choose a card. You choose a card of that color from it. That player discards that card rough again. How many Adols do you play in every single black deck? <laughs>
3: uh zero zero
1: that uh, is the correct <laughs> <laughs> correct number <laughs> uh what about you dave you have know, addle fan i've never put addle into any deck ever yeah same here not even not even brewing constructed formats it just never like i knew of it and it it's interesting but never played it what about you liam
0: I honestly didn't know this card existed until I looked at the show notes. Bingo.
1: That tells you everything you need to know about the Addle. Uh All right, we can go on to one that's also two mana. It's probably a little bit more impactful than Addle. Uh This is a another two-mana sorcery, but this one is Chainer's Edict. Target player sacrifices the creature, and it has flashback for seven mana. Rough again, this one's probably a little better than the previous one, huh?
3: Yeah say so I don't have this in my pdH decks uh but this this is a very good card just for regular popper
1: sure yeah yeah are you not I guess targeted edicts aren't as powerful in um, multiplayer are they
3: no not not when you can run like innocent blood and uh, right
1: chain devils all flesh bags and all that stuff yeah what do you think dave you a, you a fan of chainer's edicts I used to be I used to have mm-hmm. edicts in every single black deck
2: partly because I was like it in my local meta, the boogeyman in 2013, 2014 was um, Ascended Law Mage. Mm-hmm. And you had to have an answer to it somewhere. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Because uh, hexproof is infuriating. Uh, the other reason. <laughs> yes, it is. All of my black decks at the time were all vaguely sort of graveyard themed. Mm-hmm. And I liked that I had the option to play this from my graveyard if it got milled or discarded somehow.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that flashback is huge.
2: I, I thought it was, reading the card, and then over the span of like six years, I realized that I i don't think I've ever spent seven mana to flashback a Chainer's Edict <laughs> to to make one person sacrifice one creature. I just don't think it's ever happened. And like this card that I sort of like intrinsically believed was outstanding, like empirical evidence of me just never actually using it well, Left mm-hmm. me feeling that it was like really overrated, so I started cutting it
1: from my decks, and now it's not in anything.
3: But for a while, is... it was
1: everywhere. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And this will sort of tell you how how everywhere it was specifically in like sixty card popper formats. In March 2016, tor- the torment version of Chainer's Edict was almost fourteen dollars, and in 2018, it was over thirteen dollars now every printing is less than a buck but yeah that that card Chainer's edict was a and it still kind of is to an extent just sort of it's very meta dependent but it's it's a black staple in 60 card popper it just is it's just that powerful and i imagine in a lot of if it were illegal or if it were legal and in in um, every single 1v1 format it would probably be extremely powerful in those as well but yeah i mean you just can't you can't pass it up the flashback is huge you know so yeah that's all I got, because Hexproof, like you kind of mentioned, Hexproof is super annoying, so this comes in super handy when you're facing down a uh, uh, pants up boggle, you know? So, yeah. For sure. Um, Liam, what about you? The uh, Chainer's Edict seems a little bit more your style,
0: but do you find yourself playing it? <laughs> See, I I get people who always are recommending Chainer's Edict to me. They're like, it's such a good card, and I look at it, I'm like, seven mana to just sacrifice any creatures, not <laughs> where I want to be at, honestly. Yeah, and
1: there's so many just incidental token creatures anymore that... hmm.
0: Right. And Chainos Edict is a card that I've never been able to successfully use, but other people seem to always be able to successfully use it against me. Oh, yeah, I've lost Uh, to it repeatedly. I'm kind of lukewarm on Chainos Edict. Like, I know it's a good card because it beats me all the time, Uh, (laughs) but I'm not successful with it, so I I dislike it.
1: That's a good category. Yep, I feel you. All right, let's move on to a... Douthi, Knight Mercenary. Um, that's its creature type. The actual creature is just Douthi Mercenary. For 2 and a black it's a 2-1 with shadow, which is kind of cool. And then for a colorless or a generic and a black uh, it has fire breathing, basically. So, a shadow with a shadow creature with uh, fire breathing. What do you think, Ruffigan?
3: Uh, it's kind of like the Sultari Emissary. Uh, it's yeah. got its places in some, like if you're doing night Tribal or you want an unblockable creature. Uh but I mean there's better unblockable options
1: yeah totally agree like it would be fun yeah if you're in that type of deck something thematic or you know um, things along that line but like I I don't think I'd ever find myself building a black deck and like searching this card out of my box like I need the Dothi mercenary where is it you know it's the linchpin of my deck like I don't think anything like that but yeah it'd be fun if you're building some sort of like you said a knight deck or a a mercenary deck if that's possible or a shadow deck etc uh Dave what do you think about a uh, a black creature with fire breathing? I like that it has the type line mercenary. I do too. I feel it, it seems didn't powerful. it didn't
2: originally have that. It was originally a knight because it was like knight was the type line they gave to anyone who on the art was riding something.
1: Um do wait. Is that for real or is that like urban legend? No, that's for real. What? <laughs> yeah, like knight That's amazing.
2: Yeah. Knight, knights were and anything that was mounted was a knight in old magic. Huh. And, and yeah, and uh, Tempest it was just summon knight. Right. And like in the late 90s mercenary was a really relevant creature type. It and really it was. It was really weird that this Dothy mercenary wasn't a mercenary. So like I like I like
1: that the reprint has the word mercenary on it. Uh I don't yeah. have this in any text Do you like I do you like shadow? Are you a fan of shadow creatures? I, just in general, not necessarily this one, just in general.
2: I played a lot of shadow. Like when I was, when did this come out? 97, so I would have been 12. Uh, I played in a lot of different arena seasons, which was what we called Friday Night Magic in the 90s. Mm-hmm. There yeah. were a lot of arena seasons where my deck was shadow flavored. Like a lot of the old Vanguard arena seasons, I would build mm-hmm. shadow decks for those. And they were all terrible, but I loved them dear <laughs> and i was i was sure that the next one was going to work out like i tried it with miraxis as my vanguard and it didn't and then i tried it yeah. with like provax as my vanguard and it didn't <laughs> uh but yeah like i i loved shadows mechanic back then when it was the current meta and not this parasitic thing that just meant unblockable because right. like other people had shadow stuff that they could block with sometimes, and like there was yeah there exactly there yeah. were shadow things in the meta. Like there was a red card that dealt two damage to all shadow creatures that I had to look out for, and there was a like wall of diffusion, could block things with shadow, right? And like that was relevant, and like now it's like not. So like I I like shadow in its context in the nineties. I I haven't done anything meaningfully with shadow, in, twenty five years. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, that is uh, totally fair. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next one with the creature type of Night Stalker. How awesome is that? It is Predatory Night Stalker, which is basically a Changer's Edict on a stick. It's five mana for a 3-2. When it ETBs, uh, you may have target, opponent, sacrifice, a creature. Uh, rough again. Where do you where do you get Night Stalker on your must-play scale?
3: Uh, it's like a like a two or a three <laughs> okay cool yeah i mean yeah, i like that you can right. reuse it uh but it's expensive it is expensive it is target a fl- one i guess
1: it's a flicker target if you really really need it for some reason but yeah everything about this card just reads a little too expensive a little too slow a little just not enough um liam what do you think about the night stalker uh
0: i think it's trying way too hard to be flashback Murado.
1: kinda yeah that's fair
0: Fleshbag Murado is just better. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I know Dave's got feelings on that.
2: <laughs>
0: I could hear, <laughs> can I can hear it, I can hear him coming in multiplayer.
2: In <laughs> multiplayer, I'm never going to argue against that. Fleshbag is absolutely the vastly superior card in a four-player I mean, game.
0: Fleshbag also just has better. Art.
2: That's the opposite of true. Uh, <laughs> Night Stalker, I could, I could see a compelling case being made for Nightstalker Stalker being the better one v one card because. You get to keep your three two, even though you're paying more mana Fair for it, enough. and you're making you're making your opponent sacrifice while you don't have to. Sure. Um, yep. Yeah,
0: sure.
1: I remember, and, and you get two pips for devotion. Sure. For those decks. I I remember badly wanting this card in 2014, 2015.
2: Mm-hmm. Like after it got downshifted, I was like, oh man. I need some of those for my decks, and I just never found them because they were <laughs> they were like a they were a portal second age uncommon.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. and I just
2: couldn't ever get a hold of them anywhere. They were they were super difficult to to hunt down and find. Yep, and so I just ended up never playing with like I wanted to put them in decks. I just never got to. Sure, <laughs> which is fine because I I think. I think that I would have had the exact same experience with them as I did with the chainers where if I if I had wrangled up a few and put them into decks I would have been like, "Oh man, this is pretty bad." <laughs> like, this why, is terrible. Why am I that doing this? It was a lot of work. <laughs> uh, but because I never found them, I never had I never got to disappoint myself and like this still yeah. this card lives on in my memory as a sort of like mythical like uh just out of reach like powerful thing that I
1: I've like strive for right for sure Uh, alright here we got one last black downshift we got scourge familiar for 5 mana four generic and a black for a 3-2 imp imp is always a cool creature type uh, with flying and it has the ability of discard a card to add black mana to your mana pool Uh, this seems of the black ones we've talked about this probably seems the most fun in popper commander I don't know how good it is what do you think ruffigan
3: uh, I've I've tried to use this card and try to make some wacky combo with it, but I've uh-huh. not really made anything. Ah, uh, that was good or worked. Uh, that's fair.
1: Yeah, that's about the reaction I expected. But it just the, the the rules text box seems a little more interesting for our format compared to the other black cards we've talked about. What do you think, Dave? As a as a Madness discard fan, how do you like the imp? I've
2: never put this into a Madness discard deck, and I I think that its utility is very limited. I think in the right deck, it can be an absolute house. I think that deck is Sir Conrad.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Sure, 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 sure. Like, that it is a body means that if you mill it, you're doing the thing. Uh Uh-huh. And if you don't mill it, you can play it. And then, like, discarding creatures triggers Conrad and gives you the mana. To activate Conrad, to trigger Conrad, it's oh, like oh look at that—we just figured it out. It's like that meme. I heard you like Conrad, so I <laughs> so I put some Conrad in your Conrad so that you can Conrad while you scourge familiar. Like, it's it's a lot. That's perfect. That's yeah. perfect.
1: Uh, what do you think, Liam? Are you uh, making black and mana off your madness cards, or this is not so much?
0: Um, probably not. Yeah. I, I I'm not a big madness person. I I like playing things and turning things sideways. And and madness is explicitly a strategy about putting your cards in the graveyard. Sure. And I'm not about that life. Yeah, other than <laughs> um, yeah, there's not really I,
1: much about this card specifically that says let me beat somebody's face.
0: Right. Exactly. Like I I understand that madness is about like Discarding a card to get a cheaper cost on an effect, and like I can understand the appeal, however, that's that's one hoop too many.
1: Sure, totally.
0: I like my creatures to be simple, I like keywords, uh, which this does have flying, which is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, but five mana for a three two with flying,
1: yeah, that's brutal. It's,
0: It's it's a little brutal, yeah.
1: Well, uh, that wraps up our black here, but speaking about speaking of turning sideways and beating face, I think Liam's going to tell us about some red creatures.
0: Yeah. First up, we have Beetleback Chief. This is 2 red red for a 2-2 two, two Goblin Warrior. Uh, and when the Chief enters the battlefield, it brings with it 2-1-1 one, one red Goblin creature tokens. So you're paying 4 mana for 3 bodies with a combined Power Toughness 4-4. Four, four. I don't know about you, but that feels pretty good. That feels good to me. That feels really good when you... Com- bind it with the goblin general, which is one red red for a one one, and when the general attacks, all goblin creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. So the general when it attacks is actually a two two. And it turns your Beetleback Chief into a three three and the two one ones into two twos. So those two cards feel real good together.
1: They do feel real and I still yeah. to this day I still play Beetleback Chief in various decks. Yeah,
0: I mean I mean the the ideal curve here is like turn two Crashing drawbridge, Turn three general, Turn four beetleback chief. Oh my god, gross! <laughs> Swing for nine damage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm
3: down.
1: What do you think, Ruffigan? You, do you play a lot of goblins?
3: Beetleback uh, chief I do. specifically. I uh, specifically beetleback chief. I got it Ooh. in my sprouting thrinax. I've got it in my Zona list. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there you it's, go. It's good with the Mirkwood bats and the nattiers nightblades. Oh uh, gross! With impact oh, yeah. trimmers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and it's I, another I mean, one that's
1: only ever had uncommon printings. We've never yeah, seen I it mean in it,
3: common. Huh. Uh, Hordling Outburst, I think, is maybe the only thing that makes, like, is more efficient than the Beetleback Chief.
1: Oh, just, uh, like, uh, on rate wise. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I. I've pretty much played this card for as long as I can in Popper, like, because it's been legal the whole time I've been in the various Popper formats. And it's just, it's always good. Like, sometimes, sure, it feels a little slow, or it's, you know, if you're staring down a gigantic board, it may not be as impactful as you like, but it's always a good card. Like, it's always just four mana for four power and four toughness, and some goblins for synergy, and some tokens for synergy. And, like, you know, this card alone, uh, years ago in 60 card Popper was part of a win con it was kind of the win con in certain Rakdos decks that just wanted to you know destroy your opponent's hands and turn sideways and you know kick somebody's teeth in so um and like I said like Ruffian said I, I still play it to this day and it's always good what do you think Dave uh about the the chief and but, the uh Beetle? yeah Beetleback I Beetleback chief.
2: love the Beetleback chief for all of the reasons Ruffian has already said like yeah uh, and all of the decks that he already said, I I have a lot of red aggressive token making decks, and the chief is just a powerhouse in all of them. Yeah, it was really hard to get for a long time. Like, like to get physical copies of. Yeah, like I I have vivid memories of uh, trying to find one for uh, some decks a long time ago, and the store didn't have any, and I didn't wasn't doing any online ordering. Uh, some a person in the store had one, but it didn't have my trades on me, and he just gave it to me. And oh, like, nice! I, I didn't know him before that. Like after after that, we became close friends. We we hung out a lot. Yeah, but that that was like how we met, and I I am still super grateful to that person. And this
1: card has had nine printings, and it's the same art every time. Every time.
0: Why would you mess with a class? It is
1: good though. It is very identifiable.
0: Uh, Here comes Dave. <laughs> you can hear it.
2: No, sorry. That was a yawn. <laughs> I'm oh. very tired. Oh, okay. I mean, I do... Uh, I thought I do have things to to say about war, but,
1: uh... not. Nah. The, the Beetleback Chief is fine. Cool. Uh, Liam uh, mentioned Goblin General as well. What do you think, Ruffigan? Does, he, does this find, your, find his way into your Goblin
3: strategies? Sometimes. He has to attack, which isn't, like, the greatest... Yeah, Uh Like, sure. I'd rather play, like, a Trumpet Blast or something, probably, but, I mean, it's just still good.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it's one of those that really pays you off um, in in constructed formats where you can have four of them. Then it would get kind of silly, but not that I think this card is really playable in too many 60-card formats nowadays, but I'm, once upon a time, maybe. If this is a common, I'm imagining trying to get four
2: of these in a 40-card format. <laughs> like can you imagine a draft in which this card is common and there's lots of copies going around like
1: gross that sounds pretty fun it does sound fun it definitely definitely sounds like a very fast fun format all right what else you got liam
0: yeah uh i also have goblin commando this is five mana which is is a little much for goblins and especially because it's only a two-two. But Oof. when it enters the battlefield, you do get to shock a creature. Hmm. So I, I I definitely think that five mana is a little much. Uh, four mana would have been pushing it. I'm I'm not entirely sure what they were thinking here.
1: Yeah, I feel like 2023 Magic. If they functionally reprinted this, it'd probably be three mana. Right. I, I agree.
0: Yeah. There's there's no way this is five mana in 2023 Magic. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Especially because this was originally printed at an uncommon
1: uh yeah starter 99 okay. yep
0: and i know that we just made fun of it in 2023 magic but it was apparently reprinted in 2020 <laughs> magic so i don't know
1: it certainly was right in jumpstart yep
0: <laughs> apparently they thought it was good enough to reprint uh, uh at
1: uncommon again
0: yeah huh i uh hmm. i don't know about this one <sighs> what do you, it's gotta be something i'm missing
1: what do you think Ruffigan? do you like the commando do you like paying five mana to shock a creature basically oh and get a two
3: no I, I like the art uh yeah
1: the art is pretty sweet pretty <laughs> sweet but that's probably about it what do you think dave nothing much going on here move along nothing to see that's yeah, fine. It's fine yeah exactly all right looks like we all got right. uh another goblin wow, what do you got
0: one more red common it's also a goblin creature uh it is skulk drill sergeant for one and a red you get a two one uh it's already much better uh, and when the Skirkdroll Sergeant or another Goblin dies, you may pay two and a red. If you do, you reveal the top card of your library, and if it is a Goblin permanent, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put the card into your graveyard. So, this seems like a very interesting way to use up extra mana as things die. Uh, cause you know it in, in a mono red deck, which goblins tend to be, by the time you hit about turn six or turn seven, your hand's probably empty. Seems like a good way to use up that extra mana. I don't know how I feel about like having to put stuff into the graveyard, but I do like revealing things and putting things into play for free. That's that's great.
1: Yeah, I'm a decent fan of this card outside of the, the graveyard uh text. Uh what do you think, Ruffigan? I like guess it's, it's very interesting. I just don't know where I would use it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, like, I, I had it in a, I made my ugluck of the White Hand deck. Uh, I had it in there Uh work sometimes. And it
1: is, I mean, not for nothing, It is. it did get downshifted from Uncommon, so I guess it could be your commander if that's what you're going for. But it just seems, um, yeah, Ooh, very, very hit or miss, very hit or miss. But I like it. It's a very cool concept. I like the, I like the effect. I just don't know uh, how reliable it is. Do you have any luck with the Skirk Drill Sergeant Dave? I don't.
2: I, I used to try it in some of my old goblin decks. I have an Airdrop Condor deck that mm-hmm. like sacrifices its goblins, and you'd think this would be really powerful. But like, the goblin count in my Airdrop Condor deck is a is a high thirties. So yeah. if we if we want to round that to easy numbers, like there's probably a one in three chance that you hit a goblin with this guy. And that means that R- by the right you're spending on average, like eight or nine mana to put for a goblin in the one.
1: Into one play
2: or... <laughs> free. I I mean sometimes you hit the chief and it's like man sure, sure. I spent eight mana on uh three <laughs> goblins from my deck for, for like without spending cards from my hand. Like I got yeah, it. Look cool. Yeah, look so, at me. like I got there. Honestly, the thing that makes this really bad is that... Uh, this this is going to sound weird. Bear with me. The yes. reason Skirk Drill Sergeant is bad now is Howling Golem. I <laughs> always have better <laughs> things to do with nine mana than try to get a goblin out of my deck. Like, my hand is always full enough that I don't need to deal with this guy. That's a good point. Yeah, like, how- I, would, I would rather spend that mana to cast
1: spells. Yes, not put cards that I could have cast into my graveyard. Exactly. <laughs> uh, cool effect, sadly, just not very good. And it's so specific; like goblins have to die, and it has to be a goblin permanent. Can't just be a goblin spell that you like put into your hand or cast for free or something. Yeah, you can't. You can't put Tar Fire into play. <laughs> can't. Can't do the Tar Fire thing. Yep. Alas 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 that also wraps up the red who's got green i think dave's got green back to me for green us off uh yeah uh i don't
2: know if you guys know this about me here's a piece of Mm -hmm. brand new fresh information i love madness so we're gonna talk about arrogant worm it's a five mana four four with trample and madness for three tell me about arrogant worm Ruffigan.
3: uh i don't have any madness decks with green Uh, So I have not used it, but I mean, a 4-4 Trample for three mana is pretty decent.
1: Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. This was almost a staple in most Tortured Existence decks I would build, because I always went the Golgari route, Um, sometimes Abzan, but usually Golgari, and it's just a beater. Like, there's nothing fancy to it, you just, um, you do the thing, and like Ruffian said, you just get 4-4 Trampler for three, and, you know... kind of has to be dealt with or not so yeah what do you think liam
0: yeah i mean it's fine yeah it 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 is turnable sideways yeah the the badness is just a question
1: it turns sideways pretty decently i'll have turned it sideways
0: yeah that's always fun
1: i used to have a
2: green madness deck i uh i built a i built a gruel guild mage deck a while back and Gruel mm-hmm. Guild Mage is a card that uh, lets you sacrifice lands to deal two damage to things. And so I filled the deck with all the all the cards that get lands back from a graveyard, like cartographer and stoic builder and tilling tree folk. Sure. And, and I was like, well, if I'm getting lands back from my graveyards, I might as well run a value engine that involves all the tormenting voices and uh, thrill of possibilities and electric revelations and then i thought well if i'm running all of these discard engines i'm gonna add all the madness as well and so i added every madness card in red and green and the deck was really entertaining but really confused
3: about what it was (laughs) trying
2: to do it was trying to do like seven different things and it did all of them like vaguely sort of okay but it didn't do anything great and i ended up taking it apart
1: yeah, that's for a, a good wh- descriptor. The deck is was confused. The deck is
2: very confused.
1: Uh, <laughs> but I,
2: for a while, I had a deck with both Arrogant Worm and Reckless Worm, mm-hmm. and I would madness
1: them both into play. It was really good. Yeah, and it's not that, like, maybe it was back in the day, I'm not totally sure, but, like, you know, 4-4 for Trample is fine. Just like Liam said, it's totally fine. And even if it, you know, is going to get Swallowed up by your opponent's creature, or never actually damage your opponent. Just being able to cast it for three mana, just it, it makes you feel good. It just has a good feeling when you're able to madness madness this out onto the board. Yeah. So. But yeah, I think we probably talked about it that a little more than we should have. What else you got? Uh, next up
2: is a pig. pig. Brindle show. Oink oink. Mm-hmm. It's a two mana one one. When it dies, you get a three three green pig onto the battlefield. That's it. That's it. It's the whole card. Straightforward. That's the whole card. <laughs> the
1: whole card.
3: <laughs> Do you like mm, bacon? <laughs> Bacon's good. I don't I don't run this card though. It's uh No It's not bad. It's not not great.
1: No, this is a uh constructed format card where you need like a density of them. Because, sure, you can do it once. You can sacrifice it to a carry and feeder and get yourself a 3 3 and, like, high five yourself because you don't have any friends left. But, like, that doesn't do much in a multiplayer situation. You know, it's more of like a 1v1 where you can have four of these on board. And now all of a sudden you went from four power to 12 power. Like, here I come. I'm going to get you. But I don't think they'd do a whole lot in PDH. What do you think, Liam? Are you a, uh This isn't the best boar we have in the format, but do you like it?
0: Uh i like it i i like that i i pay two mana and yeah i get an under costed creature but when it dies i get a a better costed creature sure it does fit aggro strategies pretty nicely it does fit token strategies well i think it's a solid cut yeah
1: it it does exactly what it does and it does it well so
2: i yep i think it's a really good card on curve yes Mm-hmm. I think there's about a nine percent chance of it being on curve in a one hundred guard singleton deck, and that makes me very suspicious of it,
1: yeah, yeah, it's definitely a. this is the type of card you want four of you want to play in formats where you can have four of them, just a bunch of these types of effects the doom dissenter Brindle Schoats, you know all these things that uh die into other bodies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what is next next up we have. Claws of Wirewood
2: a 4 mana sorcery that deals 3 damage to each creature with flying and each player and if you don't want to murder all the flyers you can spend 2 mana and cycle it
3: (laughs) Thoughts? I used to run this card in my Changeling Titan deck a long time ago Changeling Titan, I have not
1: heard that name in a long time
3: Uh, Just because it had had trouble dealing with flyers Uh, I probably wouldn't run it now uh, but I mean, the the cycling is good if you don't need it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I, I don't really know what I think. I've never played this card. I've always been sort of intrigued by it. But like, I would just put it in a deck like a Gruul deck that had like Flame Rift and um, what was it, the Coal Hauler Swine or whatever? Like just silly effects, you know, like Group Slug type decks. But that's just for fun. Like I don't see any like. You know, positively strategic uses for this card to like boost your win percentage or take it to a competitive table or that sort of thing. But um, overall, I think it's fine. I think the cycling really helps it out, and that's probably about it. What do you think, Liam?
0: Yeah, I think the cycling is about the best thing on this card. Yeah, for sure. I just I I four mana to bolt each player is is rough. I mean, I mean, it it deals with flyers, which can be troublesome. But, I mean, the 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 floor on this is four mana for four bolts, and yeah, that's not what I want to be doing at sorcery speed in green.
1: It is kind of hilarious, like if you just wipe out an entire board of flyers, you know. But, like, how often is that going to happen?
0: I, I would love to see this card in red for non-flyers.
1: Uh, it exists. It just didn't get downshifted.
0: Yeah. Right. I, I would love to see it downshifted.
1: Sure. Oh, what do you think, Dave? Do you have anything uh, positive? Do you play the claws? Like, what's going on here? No. No. <laughs> I... <laughs> Perfect I... reaction. What I, I like
2: that this is an answer to flyers that can cycle itself if you don't need to answer flyers.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I like more that green has a lot of answers to flyers that provide a different utility in other ways now. So things like broken wings and return to the earth and the, the new one that makes a food and the one that scries. like all of these things that are like destroy an artifact or an enchantment or a creature with flying. Like that is the kind of like versatility that I want out of my sure. anti-flying tech in green and being able to like being able to kill all the fires is nice. Like, someone someone somewhere is going to be playing a wing mantle chaplain deck and this is just oh. going to absolutely ruin their whole day unless they can prismatic strands in response uh
1: but well someone's I, gonna cast and flash back a battle screech and then yeah. have a bad time because someone wirewooded them yeah so like i think i think there's value in it but it's it's not value that i often look to put into my decks yeah and that that was a good point too like the Uh, The modality of the newer cards is very nice. And, like, you know, if you spent four mana on Claws of Wirewood and you killed an Inspiring Overseer and a fairy Seer, and that's it. Like, that doesn't feel good. Like, sure, you know, you two for one, your opponents or what have you, but, like, it just feels like there's so many better things you can do for four mana.
2: That's it. I agree.
1: Yeah, let's talk about Elephant Guide. Ooh, yes. Which is Let's a
2: three mana aura that enchants a creature, gives that creature plus three plus three, and when the creature dies, you get a three three green elephant token onto the battlefield.
3: A lot of threes on this card. Tell me about Elephant Guide. I think it's all right. I mean, get getting plus three plus three permanently is not not bad. Getting a three three for free if your guy dies is not not bad. If you have ways to get it back, that's even better.
1: I like it. I, I, hmm, I don't think it's generic, generically good enough to just put in every deck that plays green, kind of like a a Rancor or what have you. Um, but in if your deck at all even cares about um, beaters, which it should, if you're in green, or if it cares about auras at all, like, I think this is just a very good. Um, very good aura. It's not exactly totem armor, but you do get a creature in return if it dies. So, I mean, take that for, for what it is. But, um, yeah, maybe Seder Enchanter, or something like that. But, honestly, there's probably... That deck is probably already pretty lean on auras, so I don't know what you're knocking out to put in Elephant Guide. Mm, but I like it. It's fun. It's good to... It's funny to suit up a hexproof creature with it or what have you. So, there's uses for it. I just don't know if they're all very good... What do you think liam
0: elephant guide is amazing <laughs> it makes my creature bigger it, it's, it certainly does that yes and then when my creature dies it replaces it for me
1: yeah and that's you know a three three is not not nothing
0: no it's not it's not nothing i like elephant guide elephant guide is a good card yeah i just don't have a deck i play it in yeah that's a good way to put
3: it yeah yeah, I think, like, a common thing with a lot of these cards is, like, if you're playing, like, floor meta stuff, a lot of these are pretty playable, like...
1: Yeah, they could be potent if you're just doing, yeah, that floor meta type stuff. Well, mm-hmm.
3: oh, I'm, I'm not even talking
0: about that. Like, I, you know, I don't have a green or a green X Auras deck. Like, my my green deck is ton wide stompy discounts with Claw. Like this right. this doesn't go in that deck. <laughs> right. But but trust and believe, if I ever have a deck list I'm constructing and like Elephant Guide is like even on the fringe of being considered, it's going in the deck. Sure. Uh, that's fair. It's it's a solid card in my opinion. Yeah. Wish it was wish it was like white, then it could go in, in Grace Blade.
1: Oh, this it would be amazing if this was in white this and not green.
0: Amazing green. Three mana for plus five plus five? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and then if it was white it could go into Rayav, like hello. Okay.
0: Yeah. So oof, making those three threes for Rayov. Speaking yeah. of
2: Graceblade, I want to tell yeah. you about the the superior Grace Blade, which is the same card except a Wombat. Uh See,
0: you're, you're wrong.
2: <laughs> Rabbit because Wombat.
0: Grace Blade comes
2: from Turkey. I didn't even which ask. makes it better. Uh Anyway, so there's this Wombat card. I'm just which telling is, you why you're wrong. Which is a Graceblade, but better because it's a Wombat.
0: And Graceblade is better than Wombat because it's from Tokyo.
2: When Elephant Guide came out, I got really excited about putting it into the Wombat. Because I was sure. like, yes, it's going to be 3 mana plus 5 plus 5, and then maybe a creature later. I got really enthusiastic about it. And then, it was in the deck for like a month before I realized it was 2014 and i didn't get the creature because the wombat didn't die moving to the command zone was a replacement effect oh. and so i could either get the the elephant yeah. token if i wanted the elephant token i had to put the wombat into my graveyard which i was never ever going to do cuz i had no way to get it out of the graveyard and it's the only win con in the entire deck so in oh, a no. fit of peak <laughs> I took Elephant Guide out of the deck and replaced it with oaken form, uh-huh, which is a three mana plus three plus three enchantment that doesn't have other text, right, and I never put Elephant Guide back in. I was so angry <laughs> that like so even angry even it. after they changed the rules <laughs> back, I was like, no elephant guide can 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 screw off I'm sticking we'll no with longer hurt me
1: that's right. Elephant Guide has a pretty sweet printing from the uh Garuk Liliana dual deck I never realized that that's pretty awesome (laughs) anyway what we got left for green here looks like we got a couple
2: still two cards left one of them is tangle juicer for two mana at instant speed you can prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn and each attacking creature doesn't untap during its controllers
1: untap step and this is a six dollar common it certainly is certainly is even the gold border world championship deck is four bucks
2: uh yeah so let's talk about tangle
3: yeah it's very this quite, good this card is broken keeping you a
1: big fan of fogs Ruffigan.
3: yeah and like keeping your the aggro player like tapped down for like two turns basically is very good It's so
1: good <laughs> so good like this is probably i mean granted you know if you didn't look at the price tag you would probably just assume this is one of the better fogs in the format and because it is i love it i play it every yeah, chance I, I get
0: i love playing this card i do not like being on the receiving
1: Mm-mm, end of it. no because you know you're just shut down for two turns
0: oh yeah God. yeah it's brutal but but playing it fantastic yeah because it's My not who hates this card. it's
1: not even like <laughs> A uh, Stonehorn dignitary, where you just skip your combat step. Like, no, you don't even get the block because your creatures yeah. remain tapped the whole time. It's uh, it's brutal. What do you think, Dave? I haven't seen you play too many fogs, but what do you think about Tangle? I I'm not a huge fan. I love this card in one v one. In multiplayer like you prefer games, to have all the damage instead of preventing the damage.
2: Right. Like, I in multiplayer games like this, this will prevent someone attacking me. Which is fine. Like, I I sometimes want that. But then, like, next turn... Like, if I if am so clearly and obviously the arch enemy that all the creatures were definitely headed for my face this turn and next turn for sure, then yeah. Tangle is outstanding. I am rarely that thoroughly the arch enemy. And, like, taking someone's next attack away from them sometimes means that they're not going to attack someone else. And I usually want them to. So like if I if I'm gonna play a card that blanks
1: two attacks, it's not gonna be Tangle, it's gonna be Moments Piece. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because that that combat step where they're still tapped down means they're not knocking anybody's life down. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Whereas like moments yeah, I piece really I, get, it like
2: that. I get to I get to choose which two combats I blank instead of like Tangle you get to choose the first one and then the second one just happens. Right. Moment's Peace lets you choose them both, and I, I'm I'm very happy to pay extra mana for that and also not pay $6.
1: Yeah, the 6 bucks is kind of crazy.
2: Yeah, a little bit.
1: <sighs> All right, we got one green one left. What is it? Tribute to the Wild
2: is the Fleshbag Marauder of Instance. For two mana, uh, each opponent sacrifices an artifact or enchantment.
1: What do you think, Ruffigan? Are you edicting... Artifacts or enchantments?
3: I tried using this in the past, and I was just running into... uh, Not all of my opponents had artifacts and enchantments, so it was kind of not doing... Sure. I think it's probably better now that people have treasures and clues and foods and stuff, uh, so you can just kind of get incidental value.
1: Yeah, like, I, I did play this a little bit. I found that you really have to have in mind specific targets for it. You know, you can't just, like willy-nilly fire it off and hope you get something good. Like, you have to hope at least one of your opponents has a gigantic artifact creature, a Voltroned Up artifact creature, or, uh, you know, some crazy powerful enchantment on board, and then just hope that you get some incidental value from the rest of your opponent sacrificing stuff. But it just didn't come up that often. Like, this card reads way better than it actually plays, at least in my experience, anyway. What do you think, Liam?
0: Yeah, I... My problem with this is the same as Chainer's Edict. They get to choose what goes away. Yeah. I don't like letting my opponent choose what they lose. Yeah, because especially if you draw this choose... on, like,
1: turn 12, and everybody's right, board cause... is full. Like, yeah.
0: Right. Like, they're always going to choose, like, the worst thing. And I want to choose the best thing.
1: <laughs> and it's weird how that happens. I, yeah. our,
0: our goals just don't align.
1: Yeah, they often don't. What do you think, Dave? So... I
2: think it I think a very small template change could make this really powerful. Okay. If this got switched to choose one, each opponent sacrifices an artifact or each opponent sacrifices an enchantment, I think that would make it much more powerful because that does give you a little bit more control over what they're sacrificing. Oh. Which is what Liam wants. Okay, uh, yeah, I, think, I
1: can totally see that.
2: I think that would make this card playable, but it's not that... Like, if, if someone has an Oubliette and I really want to kill the Oubliette, I play Tribute to the Wild, and they're like, I'll sacrifice Arcane Signet, and I'll go, Don't! Yeah, right. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> not helping anyone. But if I, can, if I can say, like, no, it has to be an enchantment, I've chosen the enchantment option, that would make this really playable, I think. Probably not good, still. But definitely more playable, for sure. Right, because, like, green has... Uh, maybe maybe it would be maybe it would be pretty playable at that point because I mean, it, like it's still not return to nature, but right. like that it hits each person's artifacts is certainly got some value in it. Yeah, I, agree. I would. I would. I I I I wouldn't guarantee that I would slam it into every deck, but I would. I would consider it for my green decks at that
1: point. Yeah, if it if it had that modal ability, yeah. you could make an argument for it in almost any deck. Awesome. That's it. That's the end of the green. That's the end of the green. We got exactly one colorless card, downshifted wanna... in Vintage Masters. Oh, I want to hear about this artifact. Yeah, I do too. What do you got, Liam? Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so I have a card that is called Mana Prism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is three mana for just a regular artifact, uh, and you can tap to add one generic mana to your mana pool. Okay. Not even a mana lift. <laughs> 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 and then... Uh, Oh, you thought it was you thought it was great already. It's got another ability. Oh, good. You can pay a generic <laughs> and tap it. All right. So remember, it taps for generic. So if you're choosing the second ability, you're paying a generic plus the you know in air quotes the generic that it taps for normally. Sure. To create a, a color uh, of mana. Oh. This ability, like these two abilities, like combined, exist on lands, and those lands are considered starkly unplayable. <laughs> And now you're trying to convince me that rather than use my land drop for the turn, which is free, I have to pay three mana for this effect? Well, maybe because there's... How about...
1: Maybe because there's not enough... You take this
0: card... Yeah. And you shut... No, I just... (laughs) No, just this is bad. Don't don't play this. Well,
1: maybe because the Vintage Masters Edition... Didn't have enough text on it. Let's look at the Mirage version. So you tap, add one colorless mana to your mana pool. Play this ability as a mana source. Sounds fancy. Oh, uh, and okay. then the next ability is pay one, tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Play this ability as a mana source. Ruffigan, does that sound fancier? Does that sound better?
3: Uh, certainly more words. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what?
0: Playing, playing these abilities as mana sources definitely makes the card... Ten times was. Ah, oh, uh, almost had him. I I would not recommend
3: this. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Uh, we already had prismatic lens, which does the same thing for two mana. When this was down. Oh shifted. yeah, it certainly does, <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, but this is three
0: mana, so it's an upgrade. <laughs> yeah, but this is three,
1: right? What if there's a? What if you care about that for some the, reason? The
0: cost is up. It's an upgrade. <laughs>
1: That's right. The more you spend, the more uh powerful it the is. The better it has to be. The better right? it has to be absolutely.
0: Oh, I put more mana into it, that means it's better.
1: Dave, do you have any redeeming um comments for Mana Prism? I don't like art. The art is cool. I like it. It's been the original oh, the art. The art is awful. Has three printings, Mirage, Classic 6th, <laughs> and Vintage Masters, and they kept with the same art.
0: I really do not like the eyes. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, not going to fight about it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> cool. No, I mean, the odds are subjective. Like, there's going to be odds that you like that I don't that I don't like that you do. It's just what it is.
1: Yeah, it's the nature of humanity. Awesome. Well, uh, that ends that little road trip down memory lane for Vintage Masters, Downshifts to Common. Uh, we probably got a few minutes left. You guys, uh, Dave, Liam, Ruffigan, you want to go over some uh, – Different rarity shifts from Vintage Masters that uh, gave us some new Possible Commanders? Possible's doing a lot of work in that sentence, but I'm in. I'm in, let's yeah, do have, it. I kind of struggled my <laughs> way a lot through of it. of heavy lifting there. Yeah, it yeah. certainly did. Certainly did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and pick one up. The the So it looks like we got 19 cards that either... Uh, I think most of them were upshifted upshifted from common to uncommon. There might be like one or two uh, rares in here that were downshifted to common for Vintage Masters. And actually, the one that uh, stuck out to me, the one I want to to talk about, is actually a rare downshift to uncommon, uh, specifically for Vintage Masters, and that is Radiant Archangel. uh, Five mana, three and double white for a 3-3 legendary creature angel with Flying and Vigilance, and Radiant Archangel gives plus one, plus one for each other creature with Flying on the entire battlefield. I have never... It was only recently that I realized this card was ever downshifted to Uncommon, so obviously I've never played with it. I knew of the card being, you know, it came out in, was that, Urza's Legacy a long time ago, so I knew it existed, but I've never had a chance to play with it, but it is something that... I don't know. It reads super powerful. It reads like it can be very thematic for a deck. Um, it just seems really cool. What do you think, Ruffigan?
3: I mean, it seems, it's all right for flying, flying typal. Yeah, sure. Better options now, but... Oh, yeah, 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 for
1: sure. I I, I like... Hmm, I don't know if symmetry is the word I'm looking for, but I like the ability of getting a power toughness boost for flying creatures on the whole battlefield, not just that you control or your opponents control or what have you. So I don't know how much better that's going to make it, but I, I like that it has those <laughs> those exact words on it. What do you think, Dave? I
2: love the character of Radiant.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I have for a long time. I, I've, I'm i a big fan of this card from a nostalgia point of view. I love that it's sure. outshifted. Uh, when it was downshifted, I thought about building a deck for the sake of nostalgia. Uh, I thought at the time that like flying typo would not be very interesting. I thought it would be mm-hmm. very linear and one dimensional, and I was like, "Yes, I have the big, I have the thick commander. I can do the thing." Like I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't super excited about that sort of play pattern, so I didn't. Uh, but recently, I did build a uh, mono white like, angel-flavored deck using the okay. the battle, Invasion of Dominaria, which flips into mm. uh, an angel on the mm-hmm. other side. And Radiant is the backup commander for that deck. If I ever pull that deck out, my playgroup says, no, we don't want to do rule zero things. We want you to play a legal Commander. Like, Radiant is the is the card that I keep nearby that I can swap in as the commander there instead of oh, Invasion cool, of Dominaria. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, so...
1: Yeah, I, I I like her. I think she's cool. Yeah, she's very cool. Yeah. Uh, I know Liam's played uh, played some white flyers from time to time. What do you think of of Radiant here?
0: Radiant seems okay. I I don't understand why Radiant gets the bo- gets the boon for other flyers instead of flyers getting like a flat plus one plus one boon from Radiant.
2: Uh, I think I
0: would prefer that.
2: Radiant was uh, a very she wasn't very kind as the leader of the angels. She was very, she was very much like a. She she had a very inflated view of herself. She wanted to be in the spotlight. She was, I like uh-huh. narcissism is kind of a strong word, but like a mm-hmm. l- little bit. She was she was the main character angel, and she acted like the main character angel. That's why the, the other the flyers name... buff
1: her, not the other way around. With the name radiant, you just sort of picture like a radiant angel that's like protecting everyone and I don't know cool. I didn't I knew she was a magic character in lore but I didn't know anything about her. Her she has a new card in Commander Legends
2: uh with partner Yeah, Radiant
0: Sarah Earth, Angel.
2: And in that card like the flavor text gives you a little bit more uh insight into the the lasting damage that she was partially responsible for. Um
0: I don't think that card has
2: flavor,
1: does not it? Uh, no, the PDH so. commander with partner. No flavor text? What am I Mm-mm. thinking of? No, the last line is just partner.
2: Oh. Huh. I'm it's a good one, though. I'm thinking of something else. Um, but yeah, she, she sort of, like, I, I love the design of that card because they really maintained this idea where, like, your other flyers buff her, not the other way around. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, she, <sighs> she does not provide strength to the other angels. The other angels provide strength to her. Ah. Ah. That is so it. So she
0: is garbage. <laughs> she's she's the main she's character like,
2: angel she's and like she's a garbage human being. She she did her best. She tried really hard <laughs> to solve the problems like mostly by herself with some help from people, and she didn't do a great job of it. But I love her anyway. Yeah. She's she did her best, and therefore no one should criticize her.
1: There you go.
0: I'm gonna criticize her.
1: No Okay. Alright, uh, looks like Liam's got a white commander on here too. What do you got?
0: Yeah, I have Piana, Nomad, Captain. So for one white, white, you get a 2-2 two, two Legendary Human Nomad. Uh, whenever Piana attacks, attacking creatures get plus one, plus one until end of turn. See, this is what I'm looking for. A plus one, plus one buff to the team. Sure. This this is great.
1: Buffs itself, yeah.
0: Yep. When it and attacks, it's... it becomes a 3 minute three, 3-3. Three. And it's Legendary. And I, it's I just realized yeah. that, yeah. Huh. Interesting. And and what, what else is fascinating is it was so it was a rare in Odyssey, was downshifted in Vintage Masters, and it got an uncommon reprint in Commando Masters. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can now play it in paper with an uncommon printing.
1: Look at that. One of the very few from tonight's episode. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and you don't have to pay like fifty thousand dollars for an Odyssey foil. <laughs>
1: very true they do look awesome but yeah they're not cheap yeah yeah i think it's cool i like it what do you think ruffigan are you uh i, I don't see you as a big like go wide white weenie type player uh
3: i am actually uh but i i are run you? uh the... maybe maybe i'm just basing that off the decks i saw you play in Vegas. Uh, but i run the phalanx leader uh who i like a lot better
1: okay sure that's the heroic that puts a counter on each creature yeah
3: yeah
2: yeah I mean yeah, you can't really
1: argue with that. <laughs> I think that's definitely a better card. Yeah, probably.
2: probably. I have mixed feelings about Piana because I I I got really, really into the cycle of uh legendary uncommon knights from Eldraine, which is mm-hmm. uh, you know, Conrad, mm-hmm. Kara, Farron, uh Eleonora in blue, and then uh Aelin in white. And I wanted to build all five, but I, I couldn't ever bring myself to build an Aelin deck. Because Aelin, the mono-white one, is just a really bad version of Piana. Mm, okay. Like, he has the exact same ability on a much more expensive body that's a bigger body. Like, he's a 4-4 four, four, first strike instead of a 2-2. Two, two, which is not nothing, but he costs five instead of three. Which is... yeah, You, you pay a lot for that body, and I don't want to... So,
1: yeah, that's fair. That is apt criticism.
0: I think the most fascinating part of that uh, Eldraine cycle of knights is that they're all five mana except the green one in a time when green was being heavily criticized for being too powerful in EDH. Yeah. <laughs> and they decided to make that one two mana. It's like, come on, guys. Come on come on now. Yeah. we One card away from the whole cycle being five mana. Come on.
1: <laughs> oh, Watsy. Uh, looks like Dave also has one on this list, too.
2: What do you got? Uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you about a, uh, a card that I've never never built a PDH deck for. Never even been particularly tempted to build a PDH deck for. <laughs> but it is a card I'm very nostalgic for. Originally from Tempest. Mm-hmm. It's called Keserdrix. Love it. And it is a 4-mana, four 4-4 four, four rabbit beast. <laughs> it just keeps getting better. It's got first strike, so four mana, four four first strike. Kind of a body. Yeah. It's, uh, it is to be reckoned with, and in in typical '90s black undercosted creature fashion, it has a drawback, and that mm-hmm. drawback is that during your upkeep, if your opponents control no creatures, Keserdrix deals four damage to you.
1: Hmm. Okay.
2: Where's the downside? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's not much of a downside. Uh, it's a it's a pretty good beater. Uh, yeah. Gets gets things done. Gets in there. Was the visual inspiration for Viserdricks, which later got featured in a Magic commercial. Viserdricks really? is the blue one, that's just a seven mana six six, and yeah, there was a there was a Magic commercial that ran in the nineties or maybe maybe around 2000,
1: mm-hmm. that featured a Vizardrix in, like, a laboratory. Oh, okay. It's a, it was yeah, a the Vizardrix has been eroded to be a rabbit beast as well. Yep, okay, I see it now. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Like I, I think by 2023 standards, kezardrix could probably be a common... Maybe the drawback is a little too steep.
0: Uh, maybe...
1: But 4-mana, four, 4 four, first first strike in black is probably okay. Sure. Cool. What do you think of the Rabbit Beast, Ruffigan? Uh, I would like to see more Rabbit Beasts. I would, too. I would absolutely <laughs> love that. Yeah. They look pretty cool. How many are there? There Are there a ton of Rabbit Beasts?
0: Let's see. I give it 5 max.
1: Let's see. There are 3 cards where the card type is, inclu- is Rabbit Beast. There is... Jackalope and the two we spoke about, Keserdrix and Viserdrix. Yeah, that's it. Interesting. All right. It looks like we have a couple here that uh, either Ruffigan wanted to talk about, or we wanted Ruffigan to talk about. I wanted Ruffigan <laughs> like, to talk about them because he Alcadron said some really. Wanted Ruffigan to talk about them.
2: He okay. said some really interesting stuff about them in the pre-show, and I want to make sure all of our regular listeners get to hear that as well. Yeah, let's do it.
3: Yeah, What do you got, Ruff? Uh, they are two green creatures. Uh, they're both worms. The penumbra worm and the symbiotic worm. Um, they both have very similar art doing the same pose. They both do very similar things.
1: Uh, yeah, the classic magic worm pose.
3: Yes. Uh, and when they die, they both create tokens. And it was just uh, of note, uh, back when these were shifted to uncommon you would have had to send them to your graveyard to get the tokens uh which had some interesting deck building restrictions uh because you would have to find a way to get them back out uh they're better now but so
1: what was can you briefly touch on what the rule was before the change oh, like if it d-
3: yeah uh so so before when your commander died and you had the option to put it in the graveyard or send it to the command zone, uh, you would not get the die trigger if you sent it to the command zone, uh, which has since been changed, where if your commander dies, it goes to the graveyard, and then you get to choose to send it to the command zone.
1: Right, so it's going to get that trigger regardless.
3: They're both not really great commanders still.
1: Um, They're not. I've, I've always been kind of interested in the symbiotic worm. I mean, it's eight mana... It's a 7-7, seven, seven, but you get seven tokens, seven-one-one one green insects. Like, that just seems fun. Like, it feels like one of those commanders that you build, and you lose the first three games, and then the fourth game, you get to do the thing, like, three or four times, and you win, and then you're just done playing the deck. You're like, oh, that was a lot of work. <laughs> so
3: Yeah. No, like, if you had, like, uh, an Ivy Lane Denizen or something out, that, that'd be Sure, cool.
1: yeah. Right. But it seems fun. I like the concept of it. It has a cool uh, dyes effect, so... What do you think, Dave? Have you played with either of the worms? No,
2: it's I kind of either. forgot. About, like when, when they got downshifted, I read them and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Oh, it doesn't work, and I just didn't <laughs> didn't ever think about them again. And then when they changed the dies rule, I had already
1: written them off and wasn't interested. In... Oh, so it's the uh, it's an elephant guide situation all over again. Exactly. I made go. up my mind
2: about them in 2014,
1: and now that things yep. are different,
2: I haven't changed my mind because I am a boomer who
1: doesn't do that. No, no, we changed nothing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Why would you change your mind?
1: Exactly. I'm perfect. What do you think, Liam? You like uh, over-costed giant worms as your commander? Not, Not particularly. And not. these are both rare downshifts, too. Yeah. Interesting. I could definitely see the Symbiotic Worm being a rare back in the day. Like, that seems like a, an actual limited bomb. That seems real good. Yeah, I think they're cool creatures. I don't know. I like that they die into big creatures or a ton of small creatures, but I don't think they're worth the mental mm, energy spent to build a deck around them, pretty much. Uh, I, there are a couple commanders that became, like, abruptly
2: very viable with this rules mm-hmm. change. Uh okay. Like the, the the worms weren't very high on that list for me, so I didn't look yeah. into them. Ruination Rider is very fun. Which one is that? It's a 2/2 that when it dies, it deals damage to a target opponent equal to the number of lands in your graveyard.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cute. <laughs> that is pretty cute. Another Modern Horizons card. So many good cards out of that set. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, so that pretty much wraps it up for uh, quote-unquote possible commanders from uh, Vintage Masters that got a rarity shift. Yeah. Uh, there's a handful of um, new arts that we got in Vintage Masters like for the first time. Like uh, Forgotten Cave, for example, had been printed half a dozen times or so with the same art. Um, the same original art, and then Vintage Masters introduced the the new art. So, uh, we have a handful of cards like that. Uh, Liam, was there any that stuck out to you specifically you wanted to touch on?
3: Uh,
0: no, none in particular. I just wanted to give a, a, a honorable mention to the artworks that one new.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I hadn't even considered that when we were making the show notes, but yeah, like Goblin Ringleader got new art, which is cool. Uh, Psychotog got new art, which I don't know if he could beat the original art, but uh, the new new art is. Uh, or the Vintage Masters art, anyways. Creepy and kind of fun-looking, so... Um, are you a big art and or lore guy, Ruffigan?
3: Yeah. Uh, I, I'm really into the magic art. Um, I do like the original Psychotog art better, though.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like Vintage Masters... You got a masters... favorite artist?
3: I don't... I wouldn't say I have, like, a favorite artist. I do like kind of the more comic booky looking art. Okay.
1: So is it safe to say you're a fan of Ikoria? yes. Especially the showcase um, arts. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, we got a handful of new arts and vintage masters. Um, half of the cards don't really see much play. Temporal fissure. I kind of forgot that was a card because it's banned in sixty card popper. Is that? I've never run against run up against temporal fissure at a PDH table. Is that something people still play or ever did play, Dave? Is that? What do you think? Yeah. yeah, temporal fissure used to see a lot of play. It used to be like a an alternative capsize as
2: an outlet to infinite mana loops that involve mm. v- looping spells. Um,
1: yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And vintage masters introduced the new art that's still getting printed today. And it is, is sweet, 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 sweet art. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. I think that pretty well wraps up our vintage masters walk down uh, memory lane there. Did you guys have anything you wanted to add about the set? Uh, Ruffian, I think I cut you off earlier. You were going to say something.
3: Oh, uh, I was just saying, uh, I think Vintage Masters is where we start seeing, like, more of the 3D style art, like, becoming more popular with, like, kind of the new art coming out.
1: Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it, because it's not like they just, like, altered existing art or did something cheesy. Like, some of the new arts is actually really good, and they've stuck with it. But, yeah, I'm a big fan. So, I'm really happy that Vintage Masters exists. It's very good for the popper formats, and, uh, some of the cards are still doing work. Some of the cards are still helping decks win uh, to this day, actually. Uh, how are we doing on time here? Since creeping we got up on the Ruff- two-hour mark. We are creeping up on the two-hour mark. All right, let's do it real quick. I got a question. Since Ruffigan's here, I have a listener question, or a host question, if you will. Do When? It. Let's move on to the listener questions section here. All right. When do you consider... I know this is a bigger question than we have time to answer probably, but when do you consider putting in fast mana into your deck, specifically Lotus Petal and or Simeon Spirit Guide? We'll start with you, Ruff. Like what kind of deck are you building or are you looking to build that uses those two cards?
3: Um, I mean, it would be something where you want the commander out as, as quickly as possible. Um, okay. Or like you want to guarantee that you have mana for... Uh, interaction, like when you play your commander on like turn two or three or something.
1: Okay, for protection, interaction, that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, because with, I mean, and, you know, obviously this is like Christmas land, but if you get, you know, if you end up with both of those in your opening hand, like that's, you're off at least a full turn earlier than everybody else. You're off to the races. What do you think, Dave?
2: I think that they can be really powerful in certain decks. yeah. Sure. i think like likegraphic said if you if you desperately need your commander out of turn earlier then yes they they'll do that sometimes like eight percent of the time
1: yeah it's, so, <laughs> yeah don't expect them every uh, opening hand
2: but so like i i i have a China slaughter master deck uses lotus Petals and spirit guide and tinder wall and Rite of flame because those are the four that can get put the the spirit the slaughter master into play on turn one mm-hmm and then I can kill someone on turn two, right? Like that. That's a huge boost for me in that deck. Uh, I run some of those cards in Kara because she doesn't care about running out of cards. No, like when yes. you can, yeah. when you can play a dragon's approach, and the dragon's approach is effectively it's impulse draw three and any right. of those three you don't cast that turn are gone forever like running out of cards to cast is not is never going to be a problem for her running out of mana is the problem yes so that, makes that sense. that's the situation when i'm cap- when i'm comfortable sacrificing cards in hand for mana sure overwhelmingly i'm not comfortable doing that in pdh like pdh doesn't have the density of draw power to make that a good idea like in, yeah. in EDH it's fine because someone's going to play wheel of fortune <laughs> and then you you have seven cards again and like it's it's like you've spent nothing. Uh PDH doesn't have wheel of fortune and like once you once you drop that lotus petal from your hand, you're a card down for the rest of the game. Right? And like that one boost of one mana turn has to have been really worth it for you to go down a card for the rest of the game. That's fair. And, like, Slaughtermaster, it's worth it. Circara, it's worth it. I don't think
1: any of my other decks think it's worth it. Okay. That's totally fair. What do you think, Liam? I don't often see you playing a lot of fast mana, but uh, where's your stance on on those two specifically? Do you have any commander built or theorizing that you need to get out, like, as soon as possible?
0: I have a Jeskai CEDH deck Mm -hmm. that was the prowess monk from c19 i think it's like Elsha, something like that uh it's currently in transition to the uh aftermath nurse set i use fast mana in that deck specifically okay that's fair every other deck the fast mana pretty much starts and ends at soul ring it's just too expensive to even consider sure cool it's uh
1: pretty much the answers i was expecting so i just needed a little uh reassurance or validation whatever you want to call it <laughs> right on well uh i think we're going to move into the outro here in a second uh did you guys have anything else you wanted to add before we uh get on out of here i take got nothing up. i want to i mean <laughs> i want to take a moment to
2: thank ruffigan for joining us uh
1: yes absolutely
2: yeah ruffigan's a guy that like every single time i talk to him i am like delighted by the conversation and then I'm wondering, yes. like, why don't I talk to this guy a lot more often? Because, like, we're I'm in the all... same discourse. We just never, like, communicate much.
0: Yeah. I'm like a, and that's how it was, too. Yeah, like, again, why don't you talk to Alcadron more often? Yeah. <laughs> don't make
3: this a him thing. This is a that's why we brought thing. him on. That's why we brought him on here, just to uh, berate <laughs> him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, the, the quintessential lurker uh, online. <laughs> so. <laughs> relatable you know, that's kind of how yeah. it was
1: like in in detroit you were there but we didn't you and i specifically didn't have a lot of chance to like hang out or whatever uh but in vegas we did and it was like the same thing it was like i got to see the kind of decks you build and the kind of decks you play and we actually i like, got to sit down and talk about magic cards in a casual setting not like a tournament setting or a podcast setting or anything like that and it was um to sort of pick your brain about about the format in general and deck building deck theorizing that sort of thing was a was a very nice treat so i appreciate that
3: yeah yeah it was a good day
1: dave's totally right i should yeah you should I think you should talk to us more often that's, that's what <laughs> I, I, think I think i
0: had <laughs> i think i had like three discussions with ruffigan before i realized that a they were ruffigan and <laughs> b they were they were rules committee <laughs> I thought he was just a really chill dude. Well, no, now like, you know he's both. And and then like, I, it, it just like, oh gosh, what what exactly was I saying to you, Ruffigan? I think I think it was something along the lines of like, man, I'd love to have the EO of the RC for just like this one little yeah. itty bitty yeah, it thing. Was, uh, and he was like, oh yeah,
3: it was uh, another card game. I forget which one it was. Where the, where they retire commanders that? Oh, flesh yeah.
0: and blood. Yeah, they they talk about the retiring system that flesh and blood uses. Mm-hmm. Uh and and Ruffigan's like like just casually's like he's like oh he's like well just go ahead and tell me about it and like in my head you know I'm just like oh yeah he's just interested like he just he, wants to you have know, a conversation whatever. yeah. And it was like 12 hours later Ruffigan was like Ruffigan's like oh he just casually drops oh yeah you know I'm part of the rules committee I'm just like <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> yeah, very humble. Very chill, very humble. It's always a, always a treat. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I'm, I think we're going to move on into the... Oh, go ahead. I'm looking forward to the next time you're on the show, Ruff. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, this so is your I'll open forward invitation. forward to being
2: on
3: again.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome. <laughs> uh, We're going to hit a few more things before we wrap it up for the week, uh, but if you need more Pauper Commander talk or you have any questions for us or for Ruff again, anything like that, you can always follow us on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, we're the PDH pod over there as well, and you can email the show at the PDH pod at gmail.com, or you can head on over to the PDH Homebase's website. Uh, you'll That'll take you right to the Discord server. You can pretty much find all, uh, all four of us there uh, most of the time. Uh, you can find Liam and I on X slash uh, Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B, respectively. And Ruffigan, you have a new uh, X Twitter account, don't you? I do. Uh,
3: you can find me uh, at Ruffigan on X or Twitter. You can find me as Ruffigan on Reddit. Pretty much any Popper Commander community online, you can you can find me lurking around in the background. Feel free to at me if you want
1: to talk to me. So, Yeah. R-U-F-F-I-G-A-N. I'll put all those links down in the show details, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, And as always, you can find the Alcadrón pretty much everywhere else the PDH is being talked about. So uh, uh, as episode 70 of the PDH pod comes to a close, we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, play some PDH, and we'll see you in a week. Peace. Cheers.
0: See ya.
3: I brought pump for text at the party. I brought pump for text at the party.